we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback in the league. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It's Tuesday, September 21st. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Guys, it's a beautiful evening tonight here in Happy Valley, PA. I got tonight on the podcast my brother joining me from the country down under Mexico. Nate, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Uh, Stoked to be here. Uh, It's been a great day, and this is just kind of like a perfect, fantastic, awesome end to spending some time in the ocean, uh, went into the city today and experienced Mexico as it should be with the people who live here. Um, beautiful country, stoked to be here. Scott, my friend, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be back with you guys. I feel like it's been, well, I think it has been about a month since I've been yeah. on the pod. So very excited to be here tonight. Beautiful day up here in Seattle today. Nice and sunny. Um, our underrated September weather continues and yeah, man, I, this um, taking away my fantasy, you know, success or failure. This has been a really exciting and frenzied start to this season. There's been a bunch of really good games, back and forth games from an entertainment value. There's been some huge fantasy outputs. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm super excited to chop it up with you guys again and start start breaking some of it down. Yeah, absolutely, guys. We got a packed show today for you. We're going to get into some temperature check, check the pulse of the NFL, the fantasy football landscape. We're going to do some in the scope, give you some waiver wire targets a week early, some guys that you're not going to be spending fab on hopefully tonight, but early in the morning you can grab these guys before your league mates wake up or later in the day as well. And we're also going to get into some short things, sleepers of the week, some guys who we think should be played this week a little bit under the radar it is a loaded show. We're going to be taking your questions as well. If you have any fantasy football life ex- lifestyle-related questions moving forward in the show, please drop them in the chat. We'd love to help you guys any way we can. Before we get into everything today, um, I did just want to take a second. Um, you know, some, some stuff has happened here in between media and just kind of in the industry in general it, within the last week, and it it really gave me some time to sit back and kind of reflect on the journey that that has been in between media. Um, and not just how far we've come in just the year and a half that we've been a, an established company, but also how much I love it. And, you know, I think I can speak for, for Nate and Scott and, and our audio editor behind the scenes, Kyle, and everyone at In Between Media, how much we love what we do and how much it means to us. You know, when I first started writing Start, Sit, and Seth and started a, a podcast, I, I was 19. I, I was 19 years old. I was a very lost, you know, very lost time in my life. And 
this has given me so much purpose, so much fulfillment. But at the end of the day, it also helped me find myself. And Nate, I, I know you can relate to that to that man. Like I, the you know, the year and a half I've worked with you, you've completely changed as a person. But I feel like for for all the right reasons. Yeah, it's. Um... I, I never envisioned myself doing this. And I wrote about that kind of today in my column that dropped. I started as someone who loved working in culinary arts. And if you would have told me <laughs> approaching 40, I would be a writer. I would have told you you were crazy. But there's, a, there's an amount of clarity and happiness and self-reflection that it gives me every day when I'm doing all of this. That isn't about football. <clears throat> it's about who I am as a person. And I think that's something that binds, especially the three of us here, is we're all different people than we were when we started this journey. And it's very important to us. And our work is very important to us. It's sacred. It's a sacred thing that we hold very dear to our hearts. That is not something to be taken from us, not something to be copied from us. It's something that we pour out from our souls. It's not a gimmick. It's not a ploy. It's not a reach for followers or for likes. I could get one like on my column and that's fine because I wrote it for me. And I think Scott, I think Seth, I think you could both agree. I'm not the person I was, like you said, Seth, I'm a different person because yeah. of this journey and football is a huge part of it, but also a huge part of it is friendships and getting to write about our life. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo everything Nate just said. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll never forget when I first kind of knocked on the door, I'm coming up on a year in November when I, sent out the original tweet, made that little intro video on YouTube. Um, and I mean, it's it's been such a great ride. And I never would have pictured being part of this fantastic team. I mean, I met Nate back when I thought his handle was Janet Jackson. <laughs> and, and Nate was one of the first people to, to welcome me in. And Seth, right right after that, I got, got that DM from Seth one Sunday, just watching football, like, hey, do you want to want to talk? And, the rest is history. And I mean, it's, it, it's true. Like I know some of my columns, I, I mean, I know how it goes. Like I tend to be a little long winded with the kind of life portion of my columns, especially early on. And I'm, a, I'm assuming there were plenty of people that just said, nah, you know, and that's fine. Um, that's, that's fine. Not everybody's in the mood to read um, a bunch of real talk and that's fine, but it's not going to stop me from doing it. You know what I mean? Like that's something that's changed you know, it's something I was working on before I got here, but just, just kind of being open and honest and just kind of having it all out there for everybody and not really caring. It's, it's been a, it's been great for me personally. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more guys. I'm, I'm thankful to have you on the show as always. I'm thankful for all our audience members out there. We're different in between media. We're a different type of fantasy sports company and we're going to continue to be that. We're continuing to be ourselves and, and share it with the world, whether they like it or not. So Thank you to everyone who's tuned in so far this year. We got a packed episode for you tonight, starting right now with uh, one of my favorite segments on the show, Temperature Check. Temperature Check. That's really spicy. Holy All right, guys. As life moves forward, so does the fantasy football world and landscape since the last time we've talked guys there have been a number of players who have broken out also a number of players who have you know really kind of seen their floor so uh guys i want to get into it with probably the biggest 
you know, one of the biggest names to go off this last week, Derek Henry. Derek Henry, he's RB1 on the season after a 48-point performance here in week two. Super excited to see what he can do moving forward. Guys, are, are you buying that Derrick Henry might not even be, you know, an RB1 to RB3 like we thought he was going to be challenging for that top spot? But now he could be a pass-catching running back as well. We, we, we've seen him get more receptions than ever before in these first two weeks. Starting with you, Nate, where are you on our scale of rare, medium, and well on, on Derrick Henry, you know, not just competing for that top RB spot, but possibly being a pass-catching RB now too? Oh, I'm well done on that. Like extra well, like that. That's a that's a tough stake in a good way if that's what you love. Yeah. Because here's my thing. That was the one element that people were knocking on Derrick Henry for coming into this season. Is he's a running running back, and in this landscape, that's not sustainable because you can't run for two thousand yards every season because of the wear and tear. But you throw in that pass catching element, which he's starting to show that he can do, dude, to the moon. To the moon with him if, if he can and that element in that offense is something they needed very very much and if it's working they're gonna keep doing it and that like i mean the ppr aspect of derrick henry being a pass catching running back if you add in what he can do on the ground even if they're asking him to do it a little bit less is phenomenal scott are you buying the ppr there's some ppr floor now to derrick henry that maybe wasn't there the last couple seasons i mean based on the first two weeks yes um, I mean, it, it's always tricky, you know, after, after the first week, week one overreaction, yeah. two, it's kind of like, Ooh. but I mean, he's had, he's had targets in both games. He had six. And I mean, I'm a Seahawks fan. I watched every single touch of his up close and personal on Sunday. Um, and while as a Seahawks fan, it hurt as a fan of Derrick Henry and fantasy football, it was pretty amazing. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if that if that continues. I mean, there's always been that opportunity, it seems. And, I mean, no disrespect to Corey Davis, but Julio Jones is now alongside A.J. Brown. And those dump-offs to Derrick Henry are going to be there every game um, if he's the one in there. Um, and he's never, you know, he's never really been given that chance. So, if that continues, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him. Because, um, yeah, I mean, running for 2,000 yards and, you know, 18 touchdowns and still only mustering RB3, that was the knock, not being able to get to RB1. But if you add in four catches-ish a day um, or a game, then sure. Are, would you guys right now, if we redrafted today, where would Derrick Henry go for you guys, knowing that there might be some – like it, it, there might not be a PPR floor, but but at least through two weeks there has been. Where, where would you take him knowing what you know now? He was going about four in, in standard or PPR redrafts. Well, knowing what we know now, I'm taking him ahead of Alvin Kamara. Me too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, without a doubt. Okay. There you heard it. Guys, I want to move forward to another running back who went off this week, a longtime friend of the show um, in our hearts. That's Aaron Jones, guys. Aaron Jones, he goes for plus 40 here. Uh, three touchdowns for him through the air, one touchdown on the ground. Aaron Jones now enters um, uh, the top five RB discussion where, you know, I'll argue he should have been there all year. Scott, I, Nate, I remember we had an early top 20 uh, redraft rankings, I think back in March. And I think I was the only one to put Aaron Jones in my anywhere near my top five or six. Um, it, you know, I, I don't, th this isn't a victory lap by any means. He played an amazing game. The Packers game plan going into that being patient. Uh, you know, you saw a lot of two, two high safety looks with that. You know, at that point, your best thing is be patient, be calculated and run the ball. And that's what they did. 
we, we saw it work out, you know, beautifully for me, guys, I, I, I'm well here. I, I'm very well on, on, uh, on Aaron Jones moving forward. I just don't think AJ Dillon is the threat that people thought he was. I don't think he's there in his progressions yet. Um, Jamal Williams last year was averaging over 11 touches per game. This year, AJ Dillon, he's averaging less than seven so far. I know it's still early. He hasn't probably got acclimated to being that number two running back. But, I mean, we only saw five carries from him here in week two. And that was in a game that was pretty out of hand by, by the start of the fourth quarter. Well, you're talking about a team that doesn't like to run at the goal line anyway. So if they're going to, it's going to be Aaron Jones. Because A.J. Dillon doesn't have that pass-catching upside that, that Aaron Jones does. A.J. Dillon doesn't have the pass-catching upside that Aaron Jones has. So he's a dual threat at the goal line. We all thought that there was a chance that A.J. Dillon was going to snipe some of that work, but I think we're seeing now it's not going to happen. He's not even in the red zone packages no. right now. Exactly, and we all expected that to happen. And now that it's yeah. not happening – Dude, Aaron Jones is exactly what you said, Seth. Like you, you win, you win on that one, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm well done. I'll say I'm well done on Aaron Jones. Just for the record, for everybody though, I prefer medium rare. That would be my upper echelon. <laughs> yeah. For the, sake of, for the sake of what we're doing, uh, well done. I mean, yeah. It, actually, it was Seth who sold me on Aaron Jones. I wasn't necessarily down on Aaron Jones, but I didn't have him near the top five. And by the time. Yeah. By the time the regular season was about here, I had him right there ahead of Barkley, ahead of Chubb, ahead of Zeke. Um, I had him right ahead of those guys. Uh, week one was, you know, unfortunate, but you know, for him and Aaron Rodgers, but everybody knew that wasn't that was that was a fluky trash pile of a game for the Packers. Um, you knew that wasn't going to be the case, and the fact that he did get the goal line carry and he got two short touchdown passes that were, you know, basically designed for him to catch the ball. Um, his much like Henry, if he starts catching a bunch of passes, I think Aaron Jones, you know, he's, he's got that range of outcomes to be in that top five easy. So I'm excited because I, based on Seth's advice, I, you know, I was, I was drafting, you, you know, the tail end of drafts, most of my drafts this year. And so he was sitting there at, you know, 107, 108. Yeah. Times, uh, where other people had gone that I had him ranked over. So I was happy to get him on a bunch of teams. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I, I think he's definitely – I had him RB4 coming into the season. I think, Scott, you were right around that range, maybe RB5 or 6. But I know I know all, all together, consensusly, we had him as a top five RB. I think he's that moving forward. Who else can go out and get you 40 points at the position in a week? There's a very short list of guys, and Aaron Jones is definitely at the top of that one, fellas. Moving forward here, we also have uh, someone who we, we ranked in our in our draft guide very highly as well. He was my QB1 coming into the season. That's Kyler Murray. He's QB1 right now on the season after back-to-back 30-plus -point, point performances. Guys, are, are we seeing an MVP-like performance and season from Kyler Murray? Like right now, when you look back at, at these last couple of years of MVPs, you, know, you have Patty Mahomes in year two. You have uh, Lamar Jackson in year two. Last year we had Rodgers return, but I really think right now, like I know it's like very reactionary, but I think Kyler Murray might be on that short list of MVP front runners right now. Scott, where are you on Kyler Murray finishing the season as, you know, not just a top five QB, but maybe with a QB one overall? Well, first of all, I'm well done also on Kyler Murray, like extremely well done, burnt, can't chew it, break your teeth on it. That well done, yeah. Murray. The thing is, is like, yes, it seems like a, a short sample size, but if you look back to 2020, 
this is exactly what he was doing before he got hurt against Seattle yes. in Week 10. Yep. Um, the last four games leading up to that game in Seattle, he was averaging 34 points a game. Um, basically, any game he's ever been healthy, he, adver- he literally averages a rushing touchdown per game, every single game. Um, so I think I had him a few points behind Mahomes, I think, as QB2. But, you know, while 33 points a game might not be sustainable, I think QB1 is, is well within his range of outcomes. Last year, starting in, yeah, starting in week six, he took over as the QB1, and he only lost that QB1 status overall in week 17 when he didn't really play and Josh Allen took it from him. Right. He was QB1 already. He was doing this. Um, the only concern I had a little bit this season is he's only had five carries in both games. But week two, he had 80-plus percent completion percentage of 400 yards. So he makes yeah. up for it with the passing. Yeah. Just, he is the ultimate Konami. And he's improving as a passer. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is like the improvement from like we've seen it every year, him get better and better as a passer. And, you know, that comes with less running the ball at times. So I'm okay with trading that off. He definitely has the best weapons he's ever had with with D Hop down there. Christian Kirk looks like he's still Christian Kirk and, you know, flashy at times. They bring in the veteran AJ Green to be on the outside. And Rondell Moore playing that slot has been dangerous, too. So, I mean, and not to mention my guy, Chase Edmonds, your guy too, Scott. I know you love some Edmonds as well. So just a talented group down there in Arizona. I think, you know, their defense isn't as good as I think some people thought in week one after the Chandler Jones five sacks. So I'm excited to see what happens here overall. Nate, any last thoughts on Kyler Murray, QB1 overall, possibly at the end of the season? So, yes, I think that he will be the QB1 overall at the end of the season. And I would like to give a shout out to someone who is not getting enough credit for what's going on in Arizona, and that's Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Everyone laughed at the hiring, thought, what a joke. And he came in with Josh Rosen as the incumbent and said, I'm going to trade him and I'm going to take Kyler Murray. And he had talked about that before he got the job. If I were to get hired in Arizona, Kyler Murray is my number one pick. He had a plan. And he knew it wasn't going to happen overnight, but he's doing everything he can in that offense to build it around Kyler Murray's skill set. They they basically like baited this kid who already had an MLB contract to play shortstop for the Oakland A's to come to the NFL when he said he wasn't going to play. There's something that Kingsbury said to him that convinced him to go into the draft. He didn't make that decision lightly, and Kingsbury is making good on that. He's a good coach who is scheming for Kyler Murray, and he's been smart about who he brings in around him, and he's built an offense and is going to make Murray very successful in this league, and Arizona is going to be a team we're going to be talking about in the upper echelon in the next two to three years with Kyler Murray being the quarterback one in the NFL. I love it, guys. QB is definitely one of those positions that – you know, it's kind of tough to draft sometimes because you are in a lot of leagues only playing one of them versus the RB and wide receiver position where you get two uh, and then possibly a flex. Guys, we do have a question coming in. I do, I do want to get two before we move forward. Uh, w- would you trade Brandon Cooks and Melvin Gordon for Allen Robinson? All right. Justin Fields right now, um, he might be the starter heading into week three. We don't know the severity, how long Andy Dalton will be out. We know he did. Uh, miss major major injury so he will be back at some point Matt Nagy came out and said that uh, Dalton will be the starter when he is healthy so keep that in mind um, guys uh, can, can we bring that up one more time I think it's Brandon Cooks and Melvin Gordon for Allen Robinson Scott where are you at on this uh, personally yes I would make that trade um, and no disrespect to Brandon Cooks I know he is one of the most 
Yes. Underrated, disrespected receivers in the league. All he does is put up thousand yard seasons. Uh, Melvin Gordon showed he's still got it, but I do think Williams will kind of eventually take over at least the majority of that backfield. And Allen Robinson is a, is a to me right now is a is a sell is a sell low is a buy low candidate. Um, yes. Yes. He's, he's really not had much going on. He did get the touchdown, but um, I think you know I, it's hard to tell. Fields looked super rusty in that game. I mean, he had multiple false starts on himself in shotgun, you know, uh, so he's he's got some some rookie rust on him. But if he takes over, I mean, Allen Robinson's ceiling is just always so high uh, with the with the targets he, he can command with his red zone presence. Um, you know, he's he's one of those receivers. We're always talking about, oh, if he just had a good luck, he just had a good quarterback. Well, I mean, depending on how long fields takes, he will have a good quarterback. So this to me is a good uh, a good buy low. And I would, I would make the deal for Robinson. Yes, Scott, I agree with you here um, for, for multiple reasons. But one of them is that I think that Fields figures it out by halftime next week. Um, and wins that job, Nate? Oh, yes, I think so. I don't think we see Andy Dalton again this year. I think that it becomes – it gets to a point where Nagy – you can't bring Andy Dalton in if Justin Fields is cooking and he's going to be cooking. And that benefits Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and David Montgomery as well. Um, Brandon Cooks is in a situation where we don't know when Tyrod Taylor's coming back. He may not come back, so now you're stuck with Davis Mills. That's true. And we don't, and we don't know what Davis Mills is going to be. We had a brief sample of him last week. He threw a touchdown and an interception. He was somewhat efficient, but is that sustainable for Mills? We don't know. That's a big question mark. And Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams last week split carries. Yeah, dead, dead down the middle. Yes. Yep. But, but Javante Williams doubled yards per carry over Melvin Gordon right. in that game. So, yeah, I'm taking Robinson all day in that trade. Yes, definitely yes. do it. Smash. Yes. I will always be looking for the two for one. Free up that bench spot. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yep. True. Yep. Yeah, guys, I, I'm probably in agreeable here. I, I definitely love Brandon Cooks. We had him as a top 20 play coming into the season. Um, definitely was a huge value in our draft guide if you guys check that out at all. But yeah, I, I think right now Allen Robinson is the safer play, it, even if Andy Dalton does come back and play. And Nate, I'm, I'm going to trust you that you point. know what you're talking about with rookie quarterbacks, considering that you called the Mac Jones things for for, for months. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely on Allen Robinson here. Safe floor. I know we haven't seen a lot out of him so far this season, but just wait till he gets going. We are baby. All right, moving forward here, guys. I want to talk about some tight ends. Looks like a little bit of a surprise so far. The t- top of the tight end leaderboard heading into week three, um, guys. W- we do have one of my favorite players, T.J. Hawkinson. He was my all-in pick this year at tight end three. Above him, um, you, you know, we have Travis Kelsey at the top, but coming in at number two, none other than 32-year-old Rob Gronk. Kowski, man, four t- touchdowns through two games has looked unstoppable at times. Um, he was on, he was on the Peyton and Eli show last night on Monday Night Football. If anyone caught that, that was a great interview. Um, guys, who are you taking here as someone who could maybe disrupt this big tight end three that we have going on between Waller, Kittle, and Travis Kelsey? You're taking Gronk and those TDs and the connection with TB12 down there, or are you taking Hawkinson and the emergence in Detroit? So I'm less prone to take Hawkinson at this point because we've seen Quintus Cephas kind of emerge a little bit in that offense. Um, And we've seen DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams become efficient pass catchers. 
So that kind of lessens the volume I think we're going to see Hawkinson get, which that volume made sense before the season started because there was a big question about Jared Goff and what Williams and what Cephas and what Swift were going to be and like what that offense could be. But Rob Gonkowski is Tom Brady's boy. They've been winning Super Bowls together for a decade. And if Gronkowski is viable and Gronkowski is healthy, dude, he's a safety blanket for the oldest quarterback in the NFL, who also happens to be probably the best quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. Don't discount him. No, I'm not discounting him. It's like I'm impressed. Like Tom Brady is Benjamin Button apparently or something. Like yeah. I don't know. But, dude, Gronk, I, I would not – I would be more surprised if he didn't finish as the tight end three this year than if he – if he did. Wow. Okay. Nate's hot. Nate's hot. Scott, are, do you think Nate's overreacting here to the first two weeks and that, that do you like the volume with Hawk or do you like the TD upside with Gronk? It's, it's, this is a tricky one. I mean, Gronk, like I didn't draft him anywhere. Probably should have. For uh, sure. I wasn't expecting this start to the season. I mean, he's basically with four touchdowns in two games, he's already going to finish the season ahead of a bunch of touchdowns, even if he doesn't play another game. Um, so he's already – he's given himself a big head start, let's say. Um, I still I still lean Hawkinson. I, I, I definitely hear Nate's points. But honestly, having at least one other receiver that's confident and having a pass catching back I think is better for, the, better for him because if he's the only target, then, you know, defenses can focus on him. And so far, right. I mean, he's averaging 10 targets, eight catches a game, and he also has a touchdown in each game. So he doesn't have two in each game. But I wouldn't just say it's volume versus touchdown upside with these two. I think Hawkinson has that touchdown upside too. And I just – I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Rob Gronkowski finished at tight end three based on what I've seen. I mean, he doesn't watch a video. He just runs past guys and he catches touchdowns. <laughs> so um, I just worry a little bit more about even though he's Tom Brady's boy, there's a bunch of other really talented pass catchers in that, in that receiving group. Um, now, again, that could work in Gronk's favor. You know, what is the defense going to do against Tampa Bay? What are they going to do? Are they going to double Gronk and leave Godwin in single coverage? No. So it's looking pretty good for him. But if I had to pick one right now to be on my team, it, I would probably lean Hawkinson just because he's just – he seems very safe. He's, you know, the, the promise and the hype around Hawkinson finally seems to be coming out. Again, credit to Seth. He picked Hawkinson as, his, as one of his all-ins. I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> and, and now, right again. So, I, but I, I would, I would love to have either of these tight ends. I, I, I will give Nate credit where credit is due. We did a mock draft back in like yeah. April, and you, and, you and I, I shit on you. Like, you Nate. did. You texted me and you were like, "Did you mean to do that?" I was like, well, "Yeah." Like you, you really just redraft. You thought it was tight end premium, and it wasn't. Yes. Well, yes, so, that's fair, but also. So, yes. Yes. Okay. okay. That aside, you guys know where I lie here. I'm with Scott on this one. I think TJ Hawkinson is the real deal moving forward. And Nate, I definitely hear what you're saying. Quintus Cephas has been a very nice surprise. Like I did not know he was that type of player. But like Nobody even, in did. My, even in my projections, I, I had him as the tight end four, but I still only had him for about 140 or so targets. Right now, he's at 20 targets. You know, that's a crazy thing to ex extrapolate two games to 17. But if you did that's 170 targets. It's not going to be that. I mean, we're probably looking maybe closer to 150, but 140 where I had projected might be his floor. So I, I think right now, like 
Yes, Cephas is there, but he has 13 targets, so, so he's down a little bit. I do expect his target share to grow as he continues to emerge here. Um, and, and Swift's there as well. He has 16. He's right behind. He's the next guy behind Hawkinson, followed by Jamal Williams at 11. So, like, those are the four pass catchers you want in this Lions offense. It, it's Cephas, it's Hawk, it's the running backs. Um, we haven't seen really what we thought we would see out of Amon Ross St. Brown. At least I, I didn't see what I thought. Tyrell Williams has been really quiet as well. So we'll see what happens with those guys moving forward. I'm on Hawkinson as well, but I think, like you said, Scott, either one of these guys would be delightful to have at tight end. So just be happy you're there. M moving forward, guys, here, we have had some surprising wide receivers uh, enter the, the wide receiver one conversation, at least in the short term here. And, and this is guys like, uh, Sterling Shepard, Debo Samuel, um, one of my favorite guys, Hollywood Brown, and Mike Williams, you know, someone who was written off totally coming into the season. Guys, out of these guys, Hollywood, Mike Williams, uh, Debo, Sterling Shepard, who are you taking as someone who actually has a potential to finish as a wide receiver one? Because realistically, like, you normally, like, guys who start, start hot at the wide receiver position can often fall off pretty quickly. Um, at this versatile position. So if there's any one of these guys that you're buying, who is it? Uh, Scott, go ahead. So if I had to pick one of these, and this is surprising for, for me to say, because I think I was one of the people that was just kind of, okay, I'm over it. It's Mike Williams. Um, and the reason being, one, is he has the best quarterback of, the, of this group. Two, at least passing quarterback in my opinion. Two is that, you know, his knock has always been, you know, he's kind of a, a big play guy not a lot of volume. Um, you know, he teased us in 2018 with 10 touchdowns. Then he teased us in 2019 with 1,000 yards. But he's battled injuries, and he just never really put it together. Coming out of college, he was really hyped, very talented receiver. But something seems to have changed because now he's averaging 11 targets and seven and a half catches a game. Um, and, he's you know, he's always been known as a good red zone threat. So if he starts getting alpha-type volume, Mike Williams – in a kind of a different role than he's been in, I can see a path to top 12 for him if he stay, if he stays healthy with Herbert throwing the ball. Um, it feels weird to say that. Um, like gut check when I first say Mike Williams, I don't I don't I don't think of, of him that way. Yeah. But if this, I mean, Keenan Allen's there obviously, but if this trend continues with that kind of volume, he's being if he's being targeted like that, and kind of veering more towards almost a possession receiver. Um, with that big play upside and red zone presence, he could. So I like Mike Williams, Scott. I like what you're saying, but here, my only issue, well, there's two issues. I agree with what you said that Justin Herbert's the better quarterback. However, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and their slow starts are yeah. slow starts. Yeah. Those, those dudes are going to get theirs and yep. Mike Williams will be left in the dust because Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler are the one and two targets in that offense once they get going. You could be, and you could be right, because I love Mike Williams, and I'm not saying that I don't like him and I don't I don't love his talent. I think for me, it's probably Debo Samuel, okay. simply because, so first of all, they don't have any running backs left, so they can't run the ball. Everybody's hurt. That's crazy, um, yeah. It's, and it's, Bra and there's got to be a curse. Can we just talk about, just, dude, I don't want to so, It's like, so bad. Like what is, wild. what is out there on that turf, man? That just these RBs, man. Holy, sorry, Nate. Sorry, no, I, mean, I hear it's you. Crazy it's, though. It's every wild. year, it's every year. It's every year. Um, yeah, I mean, so they have no running game. Like realistically, they can't. 
it's not that they can't run the ball. It's that they literally cannot run the ball because they have no one to run the ball. Everyone's hurt. They've tried so, cannon. <laughs> like I said, they have no one to run right. the ball. So they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, which Jimmy G can do. I mean, not with great efficiency, but if he's airing the ball out 40 to 45 times a game, he's going to hit some targets eventually. And those targets are going to be George Kittle and Debo Samuel because Shanahan doesn't trust Brandon Ayuk, and they really don't have anything else outside of that. I think Debo Samuel is a guy that while his numbers aren't going to be phenomenal, there's going to be so much volume coming his way that he's a guy that you want to roster because he's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to get a ton of looks in the red zone. They like to use him in the running game. They like to use him on those bubble screens. Uh, I just think he's a guy who gets more volume, more reliable volume down the stretch, in my opinion. that You definitely, I think, win in volume with Debo there, Nate. Um, you know, I will say I'm not going with Sterling Shepard out of these three, but I do want to give a shout-out to Sterling Shepard. He's played great. The new number looks awesome on him. Daniel Jones has played pretty good so far this season, all things considering with his pass-catching options being down. I think Sterling Shepard's the wide receiver to have in the New York Giants offense moving forward. It's not Kenny Galladay despite the contract. Um, but that aside, to me, it's Hollywood Brown, guys. I, I really think Hollywood Brown has taken that step forward. I mean, he has been he's been dominant. He's been getting off the line of scrimmage quicker. He's been He's been getting cleaner routes. He's been getting more separation in his routes. Um, it, it's been really fun to see. And I think the biggest thing for me is his target share has been just astronomical compared to what it was. You know, we're used to seeing, I had Mark Andrews projected as a target leader in Baltimore. That might've been a fallacy on my, my end. Um, it looks like Hollywood Brown. I mean, we still have Rashad Bateman coming back. So that's going to really impact things. And I don't know how that shakes things out, but I think the passing game for Baltimore is just going to get better. We saw Lamar Jackson finally slay the dragon of the Chiefs this last week. I think that that you know that that's huge for Lamar Jackson fantasy managers even moving forward. Just gives him you know more confidence in himself, more confidence in his team. Um, so I mean, I I think Hollywood Brown right now. I'm not selling him high. If anything, I I think I want to ride him. Um, if I have Lamar, maybe I'm trying to complete that stack too because it looks like some volumes coming Hollywood Brown's way. Guys, I, I, will, say, uh, I will say real real quick, Seth, if it's okay. With Mike Williams, I will give you Eckler. He's had a slow start, but Keenan Allen has 21 catches for 208 yards in the first two games. He just doesn't have any touchdowns. True. And so Mike Williams Fair is enough. doing that volume. So honestly, Debo is my favorite receiver from this group. I love me some Debo, but I just, I'm not discounting Mike Williams' volume like I would have. Guys, we do have a listener question from Drew. Drew's asking, he can start two of these guys, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Adam Thielen, and, of course, Deontay, Deontay Johnson. Um, who should he start here? And I'm going to say right now we're going to take Deontay Johnson off the board. Um, we don't know what the status is of, of Deontay quite yet. Mike Tomlin hasn't said too much. Um, so it's basically between Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Adam Thielen here. Um Guys, my, my two, my advice would be to play Cortland Sun. He's playing the Jets. The Jets' secondary is still atrocious. And Adam Thielen is always just, just a threat to score a touchdown. I don't know how you can sit him on your bench. Mike Williams, he's getting the Chiefs this week. Um, you know, not a terrible matchup as we saw Hollywood Brown pick him apart a little bit. But I, I think that's more of a game I'm trying to, game I'm trying to stay away from, from the secondary option for the Chargers. Uh, Scott, what, what, what say you on this question? Um, 
I think I'm in agreement with you. I feel like this is a little bit of a trap on Drew's part since I just talked up Mike Williams. <laughs> um, just kidding, Drew. But Cortland Sutton's my number one here. Um, I've always, I mean, I'm not, I don't have receipts saying I was, but ever since he came out, I've, I've, I've been a big fan and I've just wanted to see him at full strength. Um, Teddy Bridgewater seems to be, you know, he seems to be flourishing in Denver. Um, so I've got, I would take Cortland Sutton here over any of the other three. And, you know, I was pretty down on Adam Thielen, but he's been proving me wrong. Um, you know, he finds that, he just finds that end zone. He is just so adept at finding that end zone. So in this case, I'm taking Cortland Sutton and Adam Thielen. Nate, are you in agree on here as well? Oh, 100%. Uh, Cortland Sutton's going to be Cortland Sutton. Uh, the only concerns I had about him coming into this season was how quickly he would get comfortable off of that ACL tear. And he showed last week that he is very comfortable. And Adam Thielen is a red zone target for Kirk Cousins. I might despise Kirk Cousins. I actually started to come around a little bit on Kirk Cousins. Um, but Adam Thielen is his dude. I'm I'm starting Sutton. I'm starting Thielen this week for sure. Okay. Okay, guys. There we go. Um, thank you for the question, Drew. We appreciate that very much. Um, if anyone else has any questions throughout the show, please feel free to drop them in the chat. We'll try to get to them as quickly as we can. Got a question here from the IBT bot. Is Denver a playoff team? <sighs> All right. Dude, I, Bridgewater has looked really good, yeah, surprisingly looking, good. And with that defense, I'm just saying I'm the IBT bot, and I think they might be a playoff team. Yeah, the the, the, Gi the Giants and the, the Jaguars can really make someone look good too, though. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Come on, don't burst my bubble. But no, 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 they could be a playoff team. They look, they look better than my Steelers at times. So. Well, they're going to have to get past the Red Hot Raiders. Yeah, oh, it, it, it's I a tough know. division. It's a tough division out it there is. in the NFC West. So let's be honest, guys. Um, they were 4-0 heading into this past Sunday. They're still looking pretty good heading into this next Sunday as well. Moving forward here, guys, um, I did want to talk a little bit about some injury situations going around the NFL right now. Um, as our guy Drew actually um, asked a question about Deontay Johnson, we don't know the status of Deontay Johnson confirmed. Mike Tomlin said he's looking better, but not to get that confused with looking good. So we don't know the status, um, but, you know, we can say, like, I don't think Deontay Johnson's going to play this week if I had to, if I had to put money on it right now. Would, would you guys rather be playing Juju Smith-Schuster right now? He's our or wide receiver 38 on the season. Or would you rather play Michael Pittman, um, who seemed to have his first breakout this last week, 10 receptions, uh, excuse me, eight receptions for over 120 yards in week two? Nate, I'm going to start with you. I know Michael Pittman's your guy, but Juju Smith-Schuster also has a huge opportunity moving forward to be kind of a PPR god in that Steelers offense. So the only thing for me is Chase Claypool with Juju. Um, I think that there's a chance. I mean, so Paris Campbell's out, again, predictably hurt. So I think Michael Pittman is the main target in that offense. Regardless of, regardless of who's quarterback, even with Niam Hines, even with Jack Doyle, who's seen a little bit of an increased target share. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's resurrected a little bit for sure. Just so, yeah, I, st I still think that Michael Pittman is the guy here. Between the two, I'm starting Pittman over Juju. 
Scott, are, are, are you moving forward here with Pittman, even though it could be Jacob Eason under center as Carson Wentz does have, you know, not just one, but two spreading ankles. I mean, man, talk about like, can't catch a break with the Niners. I mean, dude, Carson Wentz, like, I hate to throw out that, that label injury prone. I'm really not a fan of it, but I mean, Scott, is there anything else you can say here about Carson Wentz? And, and if so, who are you taking Pittman or Juju? Cause the opportunity looks like it's, it's, it's there for everyone. Um, I mean, yeah, the injury, double broken – or, sorry, double sprained ankles. I had a double take when I saw that news. It just – yeah, yeah. you can't catch a break. And same with Deontay Johnson. What a what an awful time to get injured on the very last play on a meaningless play. So I really hope he comes back. I hope he comes back quick. Um, but I'm taking – I mean, I'm even with Jacob Eason, I'm taking Pittman over Juju. I mean, if I have Juju and, like, I'm kind of in a bind and I have to start him, which I am on one deep team, I feel a little bit better because I, you know, I, I assume he'll get a few more targets um, with with Deontay out. But I'd be, you know, really stoked about Claypool. But Pittman, you know, there was some, uh, you know, he had an off off game week one, just like a lot of people did. I'm sure he got dropped in a few leagues, but he showed he showed his potential in week two. He can be a target hog in that in that offense. Um, and so, yeah, I'm taking him. It's not really that close for me between him and Juju. So even with even with Eason at quarterback, uh, I mean Eason, I'm a little bit biased. He was a he was a UW Husky, but um, he can he can throw. So I'm taking Pittman. Oh. Yeah, Eason bit my buffs. <laughs> yes, guys, I, I think I will be the lone dissenter here. I think I do like Juju moving forward in PPR leagues, maybe in standard leagues or half point PPR. Maybe Pittman could sway me a little bit, but I do think Ben's going to get back on track. I do think the Steelers are going to get back on track. And whether they like it or not, I know we didn't like the Randy Fitchner offense last year, the checking it down right after the snap and and not really taking any deep shots. It looks like we might have to go back to that because this offensive line, boys, it is atrocious in Pittsburgh. I mean, we knew it was going to be bad, but I had my fingers crossed that we might hit on some of these you know, lesser-known guys. But I don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward. The O-line issues, I think, point in the favor of Juju catching some of those dink and dunks. I don't think it's going to be world-beating numbers from Juju, but I think his floor is going to be really high moving forward. But I do think Pittman probably is a higher ceiling like like you guys have been arguing. Before we round out um, temperature check here, guys, I do want to take the pulse of some RBs who have really kind of uh, dropped the ball here, dropped the bag, if you would, in the first couple weeks of the NFL season. And I want to start with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Obviously had that horrific fumble here Uh on on monday night football or, or sunday night football excuse me so th- that was tough to see clyde's a guy who just has not really gotten off to, to a good start rb 47 already here after the two inaugural weeks of the season um guys are, are you worried about clyde edwards alaire we, we also have other guys like antonio gibson on this list he's been seeing a lot of volume in the rushing game but it looks like jd mckissick especially with taylor heineke there will be the pass catching back so, you know, a little bit of the ceiling goes out of the way for Antonio Gibson. And what about James Robinson? This was a guy Nate's been hot on all offseason with ETN there. ETN was gone. We vaulted him up to, you know, fourth round pick status. He's kind of like crap the bed. Nate, you were on Twitter a couple of days ago comparing Adam Gase to, you know, Urban Meyer in his first year of coaching. And like I told I, I sent you back a be patient gift. And, and I mean, I, you're frustrated. I can tell. Yeah. So uh, Urban Meyer. I would punch him in the face if he was standing in front of me right now because he is wasting a 
what my concern is that he's going to ruin Trevor Lawrence like Josh Rosen got ruined. No. Yes. You can't ruin. You can't ruin that. Sure, you can. Josh Rosen was the second pick in the draft, man. And look where he's now. He's floating around because he got poor coaching. He got dropped into a scheme he wasn't ready for. He got beat up and he wasn't ready. Trevor Lawrence, while he is an all-world talent, Urban Meyer is he's trying to play a college game at the NFL level, and that's not going to work. A smart NFL coach is riding James Robinson because he's a guy who's proven he can run for a thousand yards, but he refuses to do it. He's splitting carries between James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. He's making stupid decisions in that offense, and I'm really frustrated with what he's doing, and I'm afraid he's going to ruin some guys' careers, are, including are, LaVisca Chenault. Would you say out of this list of RBCH, Antonio Gibson, and James Robinson, who do you think has the most chance, highest chance of finishing as an RB3 or worse? Would you say it's Robinson? No, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still because, I, I, you know, I've been off of him forever. Yeah. Uh, he's you, not, someone, he's not someone I've ever drafted. And people coming into the season were like, just wait, it's his second season. He's going to be great. It's like, he doesn't fit this offense. Andy Reid isn't going to use him. His skill set doesn't match what Andy Reid has historically done with guys like DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy. He's not the same type of back. He's not going to get used because this offense runs through Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. And that's the way it is. CEH is a waste and at his draft capital and his ADP, you're going to be really sorry at the end of the season that you drafted him. Nobody wanted to listen to me. In fact, people told me I was an <laughs> idiot for saying that. And look where we are now. Two weeks in, CEH has been crap, and it's not going to get better. The only back of these three that I think actually is going to succeed this season and we're worried about right now but is going to do better is Antonio Gibson. It's going to get better for Gibson because Ron Rivera is a smart coach. CEH, is a, he's just never going to be anything, and James, Robinson talent, James Robinson's talent is getting wasted. Oh, wow. All right. Wow. That was passionate. That was passionate. Scott, do you want to, do you want to simmer Nate down a little bit? I guess. I mean, that was some running backs that touched nerve. Um, yes. So I'm going to start with Antonio Gibson because my view, I don't even think he really belongs on any kind of panic list at this point. Um, 20 carries for 90 yards in week one. He only had 20 carries twice last year. Um, and then this past week, you know, McKissick was just happened to be in there for a short touchdown run. You know, if, if um, I think Antonio, he had 69 yards rushing. So if he gets that touchdown, you know, I don't, I don't think, I mean, maybe it's not the, the, the RB one, some people are hoping for, but um, if he gets that touchdown, I don't think we're talking about him. So I'm not, I'm not super worried about Antonio Gibson as of yet. Um, when I saw that 20 for 90, sure, no scores. So that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a huge game winning fantasy day, fantasy day, but I mean, I'll take a 20 for 90 for my running back as their, as their off day, um, any day of the week. So I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson. I am worried about the other two running backs. Um, I'm not quite as worried. Um, I guess I, I mean, with CEH, I kind of am. Um, I also have never drafted CEH this year. There was no way I was drafting him where he was going. I was taking Montgomery and Chris Carson in that range yeah. instead, of, yeah. instead of CEH. Um, and really, I mean, last year it started off pretty well for him. It looked pretty good for him. Weeks one through six last year, he was averaging about 18 carries a game, about 85 yards. Um, and then something happened in week seven, and that shot down to 10 carries, 40 yards a game. And that's about where he started this season, 10, 12 carries, 40 yards a game. And this year he's not being targeted. I think he has three, three, catches, on, three catches in the two games. Um, 
you know, Daryl Williams came in and got the goal line touchdown. I just think his upside and ceiling is gone. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not dropping him, but you know, he's not a, he's not a high end RB two auto start as he was drafted. Um, with James Robinson, I feel for the kid. I'm not as necessarily as dire with Urban Meyer. Um, I think part of this, I think part of this is also it's just I mean, it's a it's a young team with a rookie quarterback, and even though we tell ourselves all off season, well, it's going to start off slow. It's a rookie. It starts off slow, and we're like, oh my god, drop everybody. So, yeah. um, so I'm giving it a little bit of time. I'm I'm not dropping. There's no way I'm dropping Lavisca Chenault yet. I know it's been disappointing. I know a lot of people are just like, aha, where are you at, Lavisca Truthers? It's like, oh, I'm right here, and I'm gonna be patient because Trevor's a rookie quarterback, um, and right here. Um, but I'm gonna, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna afford Lavisca Chenault the same patience, like see if Trevor Lawrence can kind of figure things out, I'm gonna afford James Robinson a little a little patience as well. You know, his carries increased. I don't know enough about Urban Meyer and how he runs things to really know if, oh my God, he's doing it college style. It needs to be NFL. So I can't really speak to that, but I'm going to give it a little bit of time before I just have a fire sale on Jacksonville players. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day right now, if we're playing redraft fantasy football guys, we can't really sell. You can't sell CEH right now. You can't sell James Robinson. They're at, they're at their low. You have to wait for them to have a big game and then maybe try to get out if you still want to. I, I, I think there's still like, Yes, I'm panicked with Clyde, but I think he's still like. W- w- was I overranked on on Clyde? Absolutely. I think I had him around RB fourteen. Definitely too too high on him. But I, I I still think like he's still getting thirteen and a half rushes per game right now. So he's still you know there's still a floor. There's still a floor. I mean, it's not a great one as we saw the other night after the fumble. But I mean, there should be a floor moving forward. I am a little worried. Uh, that Antonio Gibson ceiling isn't what I, I thought it was. I had him projected out as a RB1. James Robinson, you know, as a mid RB2, maybe that was too high as well. So definitely we're refocusing our look on these players. But from a fantasy football advice angle, stay packed, guys. Like Scott said, we have to be patient. If Wait for a big game. And if they do go off, then you can try to sell if you want to. Um, guys, I, I do want to address a question we had from the chat as well. Christopher Mest. Uh, future brother-in-law Christopher Mess there. Um, <laughs> sh- should I drop Jared Cook or Jonu Smith for Rondale Moore? He only has five flex spots. It's a bid waiver, and he has Antonio Brown and Lavisca Chenault for his flex. That's Jared Cook or Jonu Smith. Chris, I'm assuming that those are your only two tight ends, and w- whether they are or not, I'm going to say definitely drop Jared Cook for Rondale Moore. Um, I, John who definitely has a, a decent floor and a high enough ceiling that I'm keeping John around, but Jared cook, I don't think, um, really should be on a roster. Like, like the touchdowns are there maybe, but Rondell Moore has got a lot of upside. Uh, Jared cooks, touchdown dependent. Johnny Smith is going to get volume all season. Yeah, so I, I agree. I, mean, I, I agree. agree. Johnny started off slow. Um, in my ideal world, he would have lit the world on fire starting with week one. But I think, you know, it's the same thing. Mac Jones, he's a rookie. He's he's still developing as well. Um, so I think Johnny is he's got a much higher floor. Jared Cook, yeah, he's a he's a bye week fill in for me. You know, a, a potential potential touchdown play. But either way, you go get your, get yourself some Rondell Moore right now. Absolutely. Guys, I do want to address a couple more quick questions, and we are going to move forward to our last our last couple segments here in the show. I uh, got a trade offer here from Brendan Dye. 
Kittle and Jamar Chase for Waller. I would probably hold on to that. That like Waller's, I, I definitely would rather have Waller than Kittle right now. But Jamar Chase is too valuable for a throw-in, in my opinion, to make that difference up. I have nothing to add. What you said was perfect. Yeah, Kittle's Kittle is underwhelmed, but he'll be better. He'll, he'll be better. better. Waller, Waller just showed that he can also have an off game. Um, and Jamar Chase, I think he's he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year. Yep, I think he already has. Yep. Guys, uh, one more question. I think it's a quick one. Uh, at least it is for me. Should I drop Will Fuller for Rondell Moore? Should, I we, say it all, should we say it all at once? On the count of three? Okay. One, two, three. Yes. No. What? I, I, I want to see Will, Will Fuller play, man. Will I'd Fuller. Like be, like but there's no guarantee that – There's no. Here's the thing. Brian Flores said – He's not sure if Will Fuller will be back this season with personal issues. My concern is that Will Fuller doesn't come back this season versus Rondale Moore, who we know is going to play this season. Man, I thought you guys were going to be on the same. I don't page. know. I don't know, man. I, it's, not, it's not a slam dunk for me. Uh, I mean, Will Fuller wow, was back okay. the, he was back at the facility participating today so that's what i'm saying um, yeah i just i don't i don't don't know i don't know i agreed if he doesn't come back it's obvious but i think even if he does though i I just i'm just saying it's not a slam dunk he was a wide receiver one when healthy he was a wide receiver one when healthy last season so i mean when has he been healthy Outside okay. of using last okay PEDs, okay. When has Will Fuller when 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 is Will Will Fuller played a full season healthy? Okay, Rendon, to give you some actual like like actionable advice here, if you need a play this next week for sure, if you need someone to put in that flex box for sure, if you're solid at your flex right now, I personally want to see what Will Fuller can do. I still want to add Rondale Moore though, so hopefully you have some other worse players that you can you know, drop for him. But I think both these players are intriguing. I think, you know, they're both in that same realm moving forward here. Uh, Suck to not see Will Fuller out there. I hope whatever he's going through, he can work past that and get back on the field. I mean, regardless of of his health and anything else, the dude's a talent. So wishing the best for him. One more question here, guys. Um, Two QB league from Drizzy Jake. He has Josh Allen already, Devontae, I'm guessing Adams, Terry McLaurin as wide receiver one and two. Um, in a trade, he receives Diggs. Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Thank you, Baker Mayfield. Tony Pollard, Corey Davis for Terry and Russell Wilson and Javante. Holy cow. Okay. So basically the trade is Russell Wilson and Javante Williams for Stephon Diggs, Baker Mayfield, Damian Harris, Tony Pollard and Corey Davis. No, it's Russell Wilson, Javante, and Terry McLaurin. Oh, oh, yes. I'm personally, I'm, I'm sticking with Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Javante, Terry, and Javante Terry as my one and two. I'm not, I'm not making this trade. If it's two QB and he has Josh Allen and Russell Wilson, and then he has Devonte and Terry at wide receiver one and two, I'm sticking with that. I'm taking it because I like Baker's upside. 
I like getting digs, and I think Pollard is going to emerge as the RB1 in Dallas by the end of the season. Easy. Pass catching Easy. Upside. You got to be eating. Nate, you are hot tonight, bro. That yes. makes, I am yeah. hot. That makes Kim here and air got you the feeling. Fact, the fact that the first game you brought up as to why you would do this is Baker Mayfield. It's interesting. <laughs> I, I'm but, telling you, man. I, I don't disagree. I, I'm I, just saying I would, I would rather have Josh and Russ set as my QB1 and 2 and Devontae and Terry who McLaurin's – in week two is balled out. I, I'd rather have that than the hope that Pollard takes full, you know, yeah. full control. Um, Damian Harris, who he's a, he's a, he's a RB two. He's pretty good. Um, and I mean, you forgot, you get to keep Javante here too. So I'm personally, I'm, I'm keeping two top five QBs. Okay. Okay. Guys, I, I'm in agreeable with Scott here. Final question of, of this segment, guys. Back to Rendon. Last question. Would he trade Melvin Gordon and Deontay Johnson for Chris Godwin? I say auto smash that. I want Chris Godwin. Um, we don't know the, the status of Deontay Johnson. I had him as a bust coming into the season. We already talked about Melvin Gordon at length today as well. I'm Chris Godwin. Nate, it looks yep. like you're in a grill. Yep. I think I think I'm too. If Deontay was fully healthy, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't. it wouldn't be as much of a smash for me. But right. Godwin has shown, even with that crowded receiving core, he's still getting those targets. Um, you know, I mean, Godwin would have, you know, he got hurt last year. And I think a lot of people just kind of forgot about that when they looked at his season-long numbers. Like, dude's a stud. Um, I mean, honestly, I want any, well, any receiving piece of that Buccaneers team. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Guys, I, I do want to go into our next segment of the night. It is in the scope. It in the scope is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Guys, we've been playing just a ton of underdog fantasy here in the in the Woolcock and Mest household. Nate, I know you guys have been playing it when you're back home in Colorado as well. We've been playing the pick 'em parlays. We've been playing the three man drafts during the season. What else do you have to say about our good friends over at Underdog, Nate? It's addicting. It's fun. Um, it's a fun way to experience your Sundays because you have an added element outside of your fantasy teams where you can't be mad at the lineups. You can only be mad at the parlays you picked, and that's on you. But if you're smart about what you think and what you do and pick with your heart and have fun with it, and it's only three bucks. It's three bucks a week to have a little bit of fun. Underdog's a great platform. It's easy to play. There's no reason you shouldn't. And to get $10 free when you deposit 10 bucks, you're doubling your money immediately. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, guys, head over to Underdog. Use the promo code IBT. Get yourself in some action. It's a lot of fun. It's a different way to play some DFS heading into week three here. Highly recommend it. We, we're, we're thankful for them and their partnership. Guys, let's get into some In the Scope. I have the targets in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right, as we move forward to In the Scope here, just want to give a quick shout out to all the listeners tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the great questions. It's been been awesome to help you guys out. Hopefully you take some of our advice moving forward here. Guys, In the Scope is our segment of doing waivers a week early. We're going to give you some guys that you don't have to go out and spend a lot of fab on. You don't have to go out and burn your waiver priorities on these guys. These are guys that, you know, I wake up, I set alarms for about 3.34 in the morning uh, when there's guys on off free agency I want to, to pick up. These are guys you might not have to do that for. 
we, we found some really good ones so far. Nate gave us Sam Darnold earlier in the year, who's been great. Kirk Cousins has been a QB one. Sterling Shepard's been a wide receiver one. These are all guys we've talked about before you had to spend any fab or priority on them. Um, Nate, starting with you, man, who is your in the scope candidate heading into week three? I've got Giovanni Bernard, guys. Um, and here's why. Ronald Jones hasn't been great. So we're seeing Leonard Fournette kind of take the lead in that backfield. Yeah. But that's I'm not sustainable. And what? I just love playoff Lenny. You know it. Oh, right? yeah, no. Playoff Lenny is amazing. But he he can't carry a full workload all season. True. I don't think that. I mean, that's not realistic for really any running back in the NFL these days. Nobody's at Smith anymore. <laughs> uh He's going to take some of that workload. Plus, he's shown his prowess in the passing game. He's not going to be a guy you're going to want to get and fire up against the Rams next week. But then they've got New England, Miami, Philly, and Chicago coming up. And there's no way he doesn't factor into that passing game. And there's no way he doesn't start to take some carries in relief of Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones pissed Bruce Arians off. I think it's going to be a few weeks before we see him get another chance. Giovanni Bernard is a guy that I want at almost no cost on my roster. Yep. Zero cost. Scott, what do you got for us? So I got a guy and he's a little bit more owned, I think, than Giovanni Bernard, 30%, 36% in ESPN leagues. And that's Elijah Moore. Um, he, I mean, depending on the depth of your, of your league, he may already be rostered, but again, 36% in ESPN. So he had an atrocious start to his career, you know, much hyped rookie. A lot of people thought he's going to be one of the better rookie receivers. Um, negative fantasy points in game one. A little bit better in game two, but game two was Zach Wilson getting the vintage rookie quarterback Bill Belichick treatment, throwing four picks, two of which on his first two passes. That's just what Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks every time, except Deshaun Watson. So I think, you know, people are probably potentially in redraft getting ready to drop him, and they go into Mile High Stadium this week to play the Denver Broncos defense. So not a lot of good things on the horizon, at least the short term, for the Jets and Elijah Moore. However, in week four, they come back home and play Tennessee. And Tennessee so far has been an auto shootout, everybody they've played. Um, so I could see Elijah Moore breaking out or at least, be, you know, having the type of day in week four where it's like, oh, wait, I got to get him. Get him now. If you've got a spot, get him now. Um, you could potentially even wait because, like I said, he's probably not going to have a very good game um, against Denver. But, you know, if you make one of those two-for-one trades we were talking about and you have that empty spot, this is the type of player I'm rolling dice on trying to get him early. If we're talking defenses, just real quick, DSTs, Chicago Bears, if they're there, I think they play the – who do they play? I think the Lions in week four. So if you have DSTs in your league, never be afraid to pick a DST the week before who has a good matchup the next week. Again, it's only if you have the bench space. Good call. Good call. I like that, Scott. Thank you. Guys, my, my in-the-scope candidate here heading into week three is going to be none other than Hunter Renfro. You know, not not a big-name guy, not someone a lot of people have talked about. I liked him coming into the season a little bit as a, a wide receiver for Dark Horse. I still think that's where he is. I think he's going to be a wide receiver four, maybe a wide receiver three, maybe a you know, low-end squeak into that. But, I mean, right now he's averaging five-and-a-half receptions per game. I, I don't think he's going to average quite that. Um, with the emergence of Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. But, you know, even if we take that to like four and a half, five receptions per game, um, Hunter Renfro could finish this season with, you know, 80 to 90 receptions. And in PPR leagues, that's going to be pretty big. Like we're talking about like, you know, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley light. 
Um, I, I think there is a little more touchdown upside with Renfro. Um, we obviously saw it at Clemson all those years with Deshaun Watson. He was great. But, you know, even in the NFL, his rookie season, he had four TDs. He hasn't really hit Pater as much since then. But Hunter Renfro is a guy. He's not going to be claimed in barely any leagues, I, unless you're in my leagues. I probably already have him. Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> I've, been, I've been sitting on Renfro um, in a couple leagues already, deeper leagues, of course. But I, I think he's a good play here, especially um, I think this week he's going to have a nice week. I'm not rolling him out. But I think after this week, people are going to start paying attention. They're facing the Miami Dolphins. I think the Dolphins, um, Xavier Howard down there, Byron Jones, the terrific, probably the best corner duo in the league. They're going to take away Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. I think they'll focus a little bit on Waller as well with some of those um, really good linebackers like Jerome Baker as well. Um, so I think it's going to leave a, a lot of room up for Hunter Renfro in the middle of the field. I think he's going to stretch it. I think he's going to find Pater this week. But – Hunter Renfro, guys, I mean, if you need some wide receiver depth, I know it's not a sexy name. I, I know the upside isn't crazy, but the floor is a lot better than pretty much any other wide receiver out there, and you're getting him at no cost. So Hunter Renfro, you have it there. Giovanni Bernard from our guy Nate, and Elijah Moore is going to be the in-the-scope in candidate for Mr. Scott Rainier. Sleepless in Seattle out there. Guys, we have one more section for you tonight, and that is – Sure thing, sleeper of the week, and it is presented by Stevens Quality Barbering Services. Guys, I've been going to Stevens Quality Barbering Services for seven years now. Um, our guy Kyle, you can't see him, but he's in the back end. He's our audio editor. He's been going there for a while now, too. Uh, a lot of people watch the show actually go there, but if you haven't checked it out yet, you got he's in Kerwinsville, PA. My guy Noah Stevens. Noah's going to hook you up with a quality cut at a quality price. You're going to have a quality experience, quality conversation. Everything about the place is quality, guys. Um, make sure you check them out. Get in to book an appointment now. You know, There's no waiting in line trying to get a walk-in. Go to stevens-quality.genbook.com to book an appointment. Start looking fresh at a quality price and have a quality time while doing it. Guys, let's get into some short things, sleepers of the week. Wow, man, that makes me want to go back to the beach, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Nate, I know you're down there right now. You're living the shore life, so why don't you kick us off, brother? So I'm going to go with Albert Aquin Bonham with the Denver Broncos, who has seen an increased target share every week this season. Uh, he had a fumble almost at the goal line week one, but he's recovered from that. He saw four targets and four catches last week, so he's efficient with the targets he's getting. And I feel like that's only going to increase in this offense as Teddy Bridgewater is getting more comfortable and showing that Denver was a great place for him to land. This offense is perfect for him. And Albert O is a big athletic tight end who almost plays like a wide receiver that I think is going to explode the next few weeks. And I think we're going to see him be a huge part of this offense. Okay. I like that. I like that. Scott, I, I know you're out in Seattle, bro. I don't know if you have a lot of beaches out there. I just talked to our guy, uh, Dr. Kevin J. Murray, over there at Fancy Football Unlimited last week. I know he has a lake house. So does that count as a shore kind of near you? Well, we have we probably have more shoreline than most states in this country, to be honest. Because the Puget Sound is a, is a waterway that comes inland all the way to Seattle. It's saltwater. Um, okay. 
So our, our beaches are just, they're more rocky with a, with a lot more marine life as opposed to, you know, your white sand variety. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's beautiful in and of itself. But no, we have plenty and plenty of shoreline um, up here. So I do like that call by Nate. I just, I felt very sneaky picking him up on a, on a squad last week. When I freed up a roster spot, I was just like, oh, I've heard Nate talk about this guy who I can't pronounce his last name. I'm going to pick him up. Um, so my short thing sleeper of the week is somebody that that's enough already. Just get him on your team. And that's James White. And I'm talking PPR. Um, not really that valuable in standard. But in PPR, I mean, James White has shown time and time again, he sleepwalks into 10 PPR points. You can kind of just start yeah. there. So, um, so far this year, 12 catches on 13 targets. You know, for a little over, I think about 100 yards receiving, and then you know he throws in, you know, five to seven carries for 20 to 30 yards, and if he scores, you know, I'm talking more like a flex spot, but like depending on your roster construction for the week and potentially, you know, where you're projected at winning and losing, I mean, he's just he's an auto 10 to 15 points, so in PPR. So I, I mean, he's 66% owned in ESPN. I think that's too low, um, and I mean, he's got a rookie quarterback. He's a, he's a safety blanket for a rookie quarterback, you know, low risk, shorter throws um, that New England's been known for. So I think he's a guy, I think he's just, like I said, it's just a, it's just a, a sure 10 to 15 points per week. That's beautiful, Scott. Love it. Love it, man. Thank you for that, Scott. Guys, I want to round us out here with Tim Patrick. He's going to be my sure thing sleeper of the week heading into week three. Haven't had too much success last week. I picked Cole Beasley. He fell short of the mark there in week two, but I'm confident in Tim Patrick heading here to the New York Jets. Um, you know, De Nate, I'm staying with your Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater has looked sharp. It looks like he is the perfect quarterback for that system. Um, I know we got we gave him a lot of flack for, for not drafting Justin Fields, but so far so good. Patrick Sertain seems like he's the real deal on the defensive side. But it, but as far as, as as you know, our guy Tim Patrick here. Just an unsung hero. We talked about him a little bit last week on the show. He was great down the stretch when Cortland Sutton got hurt. So why can't he be, you know, great now that uh, Jerry Judy's hurt? And, you know, people, there's this debate kind of in the fantasy football community. Is it going to be KJ Hamler? Is it going to be Tim Patrick? We saw some diss on fantasy football Twitter a couple weeks ago saying that Tim Patrick belongs nowhere near your roster. Um, so I think he heard that. He stepped back up this last week. Four more, four more targets for him, another TD for him as well. Guys, I mean, what more can you ask of Tim Patrick? I mean, he, when he's out there, he runs routes. He's not going to be out there for 100% of the snaps, but the, right now he is the opposite guy outside of Cortland Sutton. Um, now that Cortland Sutton is you know, getting towards full strength again, I think he's going to see more double coverages. I think it's going to open things up for Tim Patrick, especially here against the Jets, guys. I mean – no matter wh how much the Jets try to improve things, they need to improve the cornerback situation there. It has been, I mean, they got Lamar Jackson and not the Lamar Jackson you want and just a bunch of young rookie second-year players. And, and they're not high draft capital guys. They're second round, third round, fifth round guys at some point. I think Tim Batrick is going to get his again this week here for the Denver Broncos. I think he should be in your lineup. Couldn't agree more as a Bronco fan. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, the other the other name that gets kicked around with Tim Patrick is obviously KJ Hamler, who who does have a you know much higher draft capital in the second round last year, much better athletic profile. You know, all the analytic all the analytics point to KJ Hamler, but I mean, we're talking redraft and we're talking basically you know we're talking right now. So KJ Hamler is more of a dynasty guy in my opinion. Um, yep. 
he just he hasn't really done anything yet. He had one catch for five yards last week after you know with Judy out. So but if yeah. I'm looking at redraft and I'm looking for for some receiver death, I, I I like Tim Patrick at this point. Yeah, he might be getting the start here in Scott Fishbowl for me this week, guys. We'll see how Tim Patrick and our short thing sleepers of the week play out. One more final question on the night. Fantasy football stats, guys. He's looking to acquire Nick Chubb here. Um, he can pair someone with Thielen, it looks like. Um, <laughs> I love the, that he said Chubb and Boner in the same yeah. sentence. So, yeah. So, I love this guy. So this is a guy. quote. I, I'm quoting this guy. Looking to acquire Chubb. Should I pair – who should I pair with Thielen? The guy has a boner for Thielen in parentheses. Mitchell, uh, I, I'm guessing Elijah Mitchell – Tyson Williams, Kenyon Drake, Tony Pollard, or Trey Sermon. This one's a slam dunk for me. It's Trey Sermon. He, you know, has seen what one carry this year, fumbled on it, may have gotten hurt on it as well. It's Trey Sermon. The rest of these guys have decent upside other than him. Yeah, so, I, mean, I would agree. If, oh, go ahead, Nate. No, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I agree. If I'm the one offering, that's what I'm going to try. No one is trading Nick Chubb for Trey Sermon and Adam Thielen right now. Nope. Um, the guy has the guy has the chub for for for, uh, for Thielen. Oh, though. I forgot about the boner. That's true. <laughs> well, no, the Thielen part's fine to me. The sermon part, Scott, which I think is what you're getting at. I'm, yeah, no, I mean, I think Thielen, and honestly, I, I mean, I just don't know other than the fondness for Thielen. Um, you know, it, kind of more hypothetically, I don't think Thielen and any of these guys is going to get chub. At least I wouldn't. I wouldn't be accepting Thielen in one of these running backs for Nick Chubb, personally. But um, if the guy really likes Thielen, first of all, if the guy really likes Thielen and you're trying to get a good value, that's that's what you do. Know your league mates. Know what they like. Yes. What they like. Try and make a trade that he's going to like because he likes Thielen. Fantasy football is fun. He's got a player he likes. Um, so, I mean, you could try with Sermon. But, I mean, I think at this point with probably with what's happened so far to get it done, it's probably going to take a Tyson Williams um, just based on – you know, if, if the person is looking at what has happened. The, the only running back here I'm willing to part with to get Nick Chubb, if I'm dumping Adam Thielen as well, is probably Kenyon Drake, because I think that'll, I mean, I'd be happy to get rid of Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell. That's not going to get the job done. You're between Tyson, Kenyon Drake, and Tony Pollard. I really like Tyson Williams. I think his upside is huge. I think the same thing with Tony Pollard, as I said earlier, as you know, Kenyon Drake's the guy I'm going to try and package here to see if I can get the deal done. I, Yeah, I would definitely, for myself, it's probably Sermon's the first one I'm looking to get rid of. And then for me, it's Pollard, Nate. I, I'm a little lower on Pollard. Like I, I think Kenyon Drake just has a higher PPR floor. Love Tyson Williams, what he's been able to do down there. Elijah Mitchell, if I have to do, if I have to do Elijah Mitchell to get that deal done, I'm doing it. But definitely start with Trey Sermon. I love the question though. Um, I, I love the I love the context in the question as well, um, guys. Any final thoughts for our listeners here as as we head into Week Three? Um, life related, fantasy related. Just kind of open up the floor to you as we we round out the show here tonight. Just one thing I'd like to say: theft is theft is theft. That's all, Scott. Um. Let's see. I won't keep it that short, but you know me. Um, <laughs> no, I would just—I would just say, like, we're going to be, you know, we're, we're obviously heading into the fall. We're heading into the weather changing, depending on where you're at, where you are in relation to the equator. 
but <laughs> you know it's going to get darker earlier and you know seasonal depression and just that kind of thing is is real um and just for me personally like you know luckily i have you know fall and it getting dark earlier also means fantasy football in the nfl yeah it's fine with me but just pay attention take care of yourself reach out to people and you know check on your people as well it takes no time at all to dm somebody or text them hey how you doing and it can it can it can make it can make a big difference you never know what somebody's going through so i preach that kind of stuff a lot but i'm going to keep doing it so just you know and just take care of yourself um yeah Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, Scott. I appreciate your both your guys' insight as always. My final thoughts here tonight is, you know, we're going to go through things in life, guys. You know, work's going to be tough at times. We're going to have outside circumstances that are going to be tough. But, you know, just taking time for yourself, reflecting a little bit can really change your perception. And when you have that time to, you know, whether it's your weekends, whether it's your week weeknights, whatever it is, like make sure you're making the most out of it. You know, I, I know there's always podcasts to listen to. We're very thankful you guys are tuning into ours tonight. Um, you know, there's columns to read. Nate just released his earlier today. You know, fantasy football is a game that from day to day it changes, but, but so does life. So don't forget to live it. Let's continue to do that. The fall is a wonderful time. Like Scott says, you know, seasons are changing soon. Let's make the most out of today. Let's make the most out of the life we're living. And that's what we're going to continue to do here at In Between Media all season long. So if you guys enjoyed the show, please hit that, that subscribe button. Uh, send us a follow on Twitter. Um, just if you ever need anything, feel free to reach out to our DMs, fantasy football advice, life advice. We're going to be here for you guys. Nate, Scott, thank you so much for your guys' time tonight. It's been a pleasure as always. Yep. Don't forget to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next Tuesday night. Um, if you're listening to the audio version, that comes out on Wednesday evenings. So make sure you check that out, guys. Uh, for Nate, for Scott, I'm Seth Woolcock, and we'll be back here next week on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. The In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. The one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related.